Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Adventures in the Creative Industries. I am Eric Ravaglia, as usual, your one-man band, and today I am with Adam Jennings. Adam is one of these individuals that found themselves riding the digital design and digital marketing wave back in the, in the mid-90s. It all started when he was studying theater and a theater company asked him if he could make a website for them. And from there for him has been a career ahead of the curve. From working at Rebellion, which is an independent video game, comic book studio, to being headhunted by Microsoft to become global creative director at Microsoft Advertising. Digital was always the name of the game for him. And when he left Microsoft, for his own company, Redbox New Media, he started working with some of the biggest Hollywood studios out there, and he started focusing on the key digital marketing assets that other companies were overlooking. His intuition allowed him to keep the company going until uh, last year, where he started a new company called Cordial Fox, which is all focused, again, of something that is very topical, which is ethical and inclusive work. Thank you to all the listeners. And if you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. It really helps if you can leave it a review on whatever platform you're using. Amazing. Really appreciate it. It takes two seconds to do it, but it helps the podcast massively to get in front of people. Also, if you want to get in touch, please do send me an email, a message, tweet me, whatever. I really value your take on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Here we go. Hello, Adam. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I met you, right? Yes. Randomly. Because yes. Craig Black, Craig was in one of the episodes. Um, I value whatever Craig says. If Craig says you got to speak to someone, I am going to speak to that person. In fact, I sent you an email like almost straight away. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Let's meet Adam. So how did you meet? Uh, Craig. So I've not met Craig in person, but I'm hearing the same thing. He's a local legend, basically. He is. Uh, and um, so I met with Bruce Walker from FutureX. Okay. Uh, Bruce put me in touch with Craig. And Craig and I chatted a little bit on, uh, I think it was on either LinkedIn or email, and mm -hmm. a little to and fro and couldn't meet up in person, but he said he'd put me in touch with a couple of people, you know, which was really kind of him and I really appreciated it. And expected it to be the normal sort of approach to that kind of thing a couple of days time maybe one or two emails mm -hmm. that kind of thing but within about five minutes my inbox just went crazy and there was just <laughs> ping 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 <laughs> ping uh, yeah. i actually took a photo of it in the end because the entire inbox screen was full of introductions from craig to people like yourself um and it it was i was blown away i was really uh, like appreciative of him taking mm. the time to do that right there and then but also the response that everyone was giving uh, because it was him saying, yeah. have a chat with him, yeah. you know, it, it, uh, it was clear that he's a really well-loved, really well-respected guy. He's a passionate guy. That's the thing is that he's truly, he truly loves what he does. Um, and he does it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, the way he does it, you with the emails, it's the way he does stuff. He's like, I want to do this thing and just go off and do it. I always have so much respect for people like that because mm -hmm. they, they're, they're a lot more action and also a lot of thinking. It's not like he goes willy-nilly, but... He's uh, he's a clear example of somebody that put the put the hours in yeah, to become absolutely. who he is now, and he went through a lot of hardship to become who he is now. I mean, if you haven't listened to that episode, please do because it's a very emotional story of his upbringing and and how 
how he got to do what he's doing now and mm. it, what happened in his life ever since. I think he's, he's um, oh man, he's a great guy. Mm -hmm. He's just a great guy. Sometimes you meet someone, he's a great guy. You wish you were that great guy and then um, you wish that great guy all the best, seriously. Yeah. For anything I can do to Greg, yeah, yeah. give me a shout, man. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm due to meet up with him in December. Yes. Actually, meet up with him and finally buy the guy a coffee. Yes. Yeah, you know. buy him a coffee. <laughs> Did you say touch him? Touch him. Just touch give him a hug. the legend. That's the legend. Just like <laughs> rub his shoulder a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's put me in touch with so many yeah. amazing folk, and and um, it's just been really great coming up here because I've only been up in Edinburgh now for just over a month. Yeah, because we should let's give some background here. Like, so you you so come I was born from... in the jungle, raised by wolves, <laughs> uh, yes. and then moved here a month ago. That's basically my story. <laughs> <laughs> the jungle being Essex. <laughs> yes. It's a jungle of stilettos it's a weird and handbags. Yeah, it's a tough and jungle. And fake tan. <laughs> a lot. Because <laughs> you, you're from Ro Rochford, isn't it? What's it called? No. Yes. yes. Oh, Rochford. I see you've been doing some. Yeah, uh, oh, man. Oh, okay. oh, I know everything. Okay, now I'm worried about what's going to come out. <laughs> right, so you, you, you're you from Rochford, Rochford, which is in Essex. Yes, yeah, I was born in Rochford and lived in Essex for the first sort of 10 years or so of yep. my life, then moved up to Oxfordshire. Mm -hmm. uh, had sort of teenage years in Oxfordshire, and then went to London for a bit, and then uh, came back to Oxfordshire, uh, mm -hmm. and stayed there for um, a huge chunk of time, uh, and then decided to up sticks and come up here. Yeah. So and I'm absolutely loving it. It's, ha -ha, it's a fantastic city. Yeah, it's really fantastic. I'm... I'm there's uh, I the joke is I'd been up here before when I was about mm -hmm. seventeen or eighteen, didn't see the castle. You know, it's like going to <laughs> well, Paris you, and wait, not wait, seeing wait. the Eiffel Tower. Did you not? Did you, what do you mean you didn't see the castle? Meaning like you haven't seen it from Princess Street or you haven't been inside the castle? Literally didn't see it. <laughs> like I have no memory of ever seeing the castle. And everybody I've told that has been here is like, how the hell did you come to Edinburgh and not <laughs> see the castle? They ask you, have you seen the castle? No. You have not seen the castle? <laughs> I mean, it's quite big, man. You it's see a, it from ma pretty it's much a massive everywhere. mountain in the middle of the city. Yeah. You know, how can I not see it? So <laughs> so this year has been about um, sort of connecting with people up here mm. and, and organizations and brands up here and uh, really yeah. sort of um, getting to know the city. And then then just from working here, and then we'd made that decision after, after kind of starting to do some work here, we made the decision to actually, you know what, this is, this is a great creative scene up here. Let's get involved with this. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been fantastic. I'm so happy to hear that. It's a really open scene up here. Everybody's really friendly. Everybody's really happy to sit down and have a coffee and talk yeah. about, uh, you know, wh where, what's happened to them to get to the point that they're at and how we can work together. And uh, it's just really great. There's, London is a very different scene. Mm. Uh, people are very friendly, but everyone's busy. Everybody has their groups of people that they work with, you know, and, and because of the... Um, that perceived must keep going pace, uh, it's it's easier to say, okay, well, I've worked with Eric before, I'll work with Eric again, and I've worked yeah. with this guy or this woman, and, I, you know. It's kind of the same here, though. Like, you, you you have to kind of break into these networks. But you got opportunities to do that here because you just go to networking events mm -hmm. and you just go to meet people, are you doing... But there is a bit of that as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, what I'm getting is that everybody knows everybody. Mm. Everybody has worked with each other at some point on some project, pretty much. Um, yeah, and possibly, yeah. And there's a, there's just this. It feel it's a good feel to the community up here. I'm sure there are, you know, the usual sort of hiccups along the way at ah, various different points. Yeah. They always are, but, uh, but generally speaking, it feels like a really good, open community, and I'm really, I'm really happy to be here and 
looking forward to getting stuck in. I mean, I'm already sort of, you know, yeah, I've got getting kind of a toe in. Yes. So I'm just looking forward to getting another couple of toes in and then a foot and maybe a leg, mm. perhaps an elbow. You haven't been up around that much either because it's, what, three months now? A month. A just month. over a Sorry, month. a month. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Are not even. So, like, if you find a project in the next month, I think you'll, or like, well, more of a project, like something more stable, I think you'll be fine. Yeah, we've done, uh, so we've done um, uh, three or four things up here now, various different uh, things for, for different people. And mm-hmm. it's been really, it's been really good to just sort of jump on stuff. And it's great to meet people and chat and get to know them. And yeah understand how they work and what they work with and the kind of projects they'll do and the, as opposed to the kind of projects somebody else will do but mm. it's also just great to you know roll sleeves up and get stuck into something yeah i mean like <clears throat> also th- there is to say though being from london you had incredible opportunities to work with, br- with brands and clients they it's harder to grasp up here you can do it there are people that are doing it um, i'm looking at this you're something guys for instance so you you, you You've been there, and um, so there are opportunities to to work with big clients, but clearly not as many as London. Especially mm-hmm. if you're in that you know circle of friends or that big network, and you know you get to know you get to know to work with people. So it's, it's maybe harder to to get to that, but actually, but also there are opportunities. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like th- th- those opportunities exist. Mm-hmm. It's just the right, finding the right project, the right people at the right time. You know, the usual, the usual shebang. But the, the thing. I remember when we when I met you when we were went to the Creative Edinburgh Awards and then at one point you drop, I said, oh, we should do we should have a proper chat maybe maybe do a podcast and you're like, oh, I've got a lot of stories about <laughs> my uh, movie industries days, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, because I worked with, I worked done marketing for a lot of of these people and I was like, what do you mean? And then, and then we kind of got distracted there, and 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 I never got to hear the full story. Mm-hmm. But then I did. I went home and I did my research, you know. Um, and I was like, right, you worked with like <clears throat> some of the biggest movies of the early two thousand, right? I've got a list here. So <laughs> go on then, go on then. You work with some. This is some of the ones you worked. You done League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, The Bourne Supremacy, Van Helsing, Life of Pi, Prometheus, Transformers, The Simpsons movie, and so on and so forth. Those are the the, the, the ones I could find top of my head. Yeah. Yeah, so you worked on, on digital marketing for those movies, right? Yes, that's right. Digital marketing, sometimes there was some print elements. Um, so, so I've worked on over 160 uh, global digital marketing campaigns Which for movie you, it's launches. Mad. How did you get to work with these people? It cost me a fortune. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The, it's about. Um, I, I think it really my approach has always been the same. It's about being fair. Mm-hmm. So when you're working with someone, don't uh, don't add on all of the stuff that they don't need just because it bumps up your price. Right. Um, if they ask you for something that you in your expertise don't think they need or think they can do it a different way talk to them about it you know Mm -hmm. try and play fair and uh, do a good job um working with the studios in la is all about trust you will the the sort of um the usual route is you get a very very small job to kind of test you out and Mm -hmm. that's only because someone else that works for them knows you they can't do it and they've suggested your name so usually you get a really small job you do that and then a little bit later maybe you get another small job and they just try these little tester projects with you and slowly the work grows and grows and grows 
my intro to the studios was a little bit different. Um, I'd been working, um, uh, well, I've done all sorts of random things in my quote unquote career, starting right at the beginning, working as an actor and working in theatre yes, and, yes. and going I, all the way through. I jumped through. again. I jumped again because I've seen that you've done drama. I've seen you work. You've done voiceover work. Mm -hmm. I've seen that also, also, you worked in the video game industry, which was a total surprise to me. Yes. Because you worked at Rebellion in the 90s. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, and you, not just that you were like super young, you know, early 20s when you worked at Rebellion. I know. Right? And now you look at me and you think, what the hell happened to that guy? <laughs> He's aged <laughs> no, <we're> so <laughs> much. <laughs> we're only like five years apart. It's not that. But um, it's, um, it was interesting to see like your, your journey, you know, because I'm probably, we, we never talked about video games, but like I'm a video, big video gamer you oh, know, cool. i've always okay. been i've always been i don't know if you are now yeah yeah well i don't get an awful lot of time for it but yeah, i'm still well, really interested in the industry and, and the games as well so there you go there you have it we i we, didn't know we had that connection but <clears throat> it was just interesting to see how you know th this guy from oxfordshire of essex first you know sorry about that sorry yeah <laughs> <laughs> we love essex you know we're not gonna let a couple of <laughs> bad shows ruin essex countryside okay because i'm sure it looks beautiful i've never seen it i've never been there you tell me edinburgh's a beautiful city <laughs> <laughs> what about oxfordshire that must look good yeah oxford's just lovely There's the you know we were we were in the cotswolds before we moved up so you know lots of lovely rolling green hills oh, and lovely, yeah. sort of mist in the mornings on a, on a on the wintry time and really kind of beautiful scenery that's good Anyway, so yeah. I'm, I'm being terrible today. I'm, I'm now the caffeine really kicked in, and, and I, I feel <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm a woo. So you're literally bouncing up and down. I'm bouncing chair. up and down. Where do, where do you think we should start? Because like, what was the, the like? I used to ask this question to people, and now I kind of face that way. It's a bit, it's a bit daft. But what was the the beat of the spider? You know, what what gave you oh. the superpowers? So um, the thing for me was watching movies as a kid. Mm -hmm. and uh, wanting to be a stuntman. That was my very, very first thing. I wanted to be a, a stuntman. Stunt I wanted to be the one that was thrown through the, the sugar glass, you know, or, or, or falling off the building or driving a truck that, that sort of screeches around a corner. Or, you know, that was, I was very well aware that that wasn't the actor or the actress doing that. I was aware that there was someone whose speciality it was, was to do that. And I thought, how cool is that? You know, it's <laughs> amazing. So I would, from a really early age, kind of chuck myself off the sofa or roll over the coffee table or really? you know, that kind of thing. You're um, like, dad, dad, look, look. Yeah. And you just jump and do things. <laughs> Face plant myself on concrete. <laughs> um, so that, that really got me interested in performance. Uh, and um, at the same time, I love to make things. I love to paint. I love to draw. I loved to. Uh, I remember watching Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom with the mine carts. Uh, you know, the the mine car uh, yeah. uh, chase, and seeing a thing about how they did it, and it was done with little miniatures. And and at the time, I used to make stuff with um, uh, uh, a plasticine, like a modeling clay. Mm -hmm. And so I made little miniature mine carts and little yeah. miniature Indiana Jones, you know, and, and I didn't have any way of making stop motion. So I, it was just purely a thing to make to then play with. How easy is today? You, all you need is a phone. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's incredible. So, yeah. Um, Sorry, so that was, you know, I kind of understood or, or started to feel like there's something there about performance. There's something there about making or creating something. And what yeah. I've realized later on is it's about telling a story. So everything that I've done, everything I've approached has always been with that aspect of what's the story to tell and what's the best way of telling it. 
Um, and by story, it doesn't have to be fiction, obviously, as well. It could be your own story. Um, so going through um, working in theatre, um, uh, doing lots of voice work. Um, and in, when I was working in theatre, I was working in all the different departments to get as much experience as I could. I How old were you when you were working in theatre? I started there. I'd started at one theatre in Oxford um, mm -hmm. doing work experience when I was, I would have been 16. Right. Uh, and it that led to some sort of Saturday work, which led to other work. Um, and at the same time, you start meeting people who want someone to do some voice work for something or mm -hmm. want you to do a, a, a play or, you know, perform a piece. Um, and at the same time, I was doing lots of sort of amateur dramatics as well, just to kind of really soak up that entire um, that entire vibe. And it, mm -hmm. it it really kind of got to me, the, the storytelling idea. And then whilst I was at this theatre, they wanted a website made. <laughs> and I was, um, I right. was thinking, actually, you know what? This is really cool. This is right at the beginning of of of, uh, of sort of the, the well, internet. We're talking. Um, this would have been what mid nineties. Yeah, sort of a little bit earlier, maybe ninety three, ninety four. Right. I started there, so it would have been ninety two. I started there, so it would have been about ninety four. Okay. Um, and I said, oh, I'll look into this, you know, and I really. I loved it. Again, it was about creating something and telling a story and making sure for me that uh, the site that you went to, it felt like the experience you had when you went to the theatre, that those right. those two things matched up. Uh, and so I did that and it went live and then another company uh, in Oxford needed the same thing. At that time, thing. must have been like wildfires. Like, oh, this guy can make a website. Yeah, he's got a he's got an E or an at symbol that spins yeah. round. I mean, oh you know, there's God. a beckoning skeletal finger. You know, <laughs> yeah. this is amazing. Uh, and I mean, I I don't want to look at them now, but I'm sure if I did, that I, they would be. They're probably still alive. As shocking. Well. Oh no, no, that I I <laughs> I know for sure that those ones have gone. But but that sort of snowballed, and that became much more common to get bills paid through creating websites and and, mm -hmm. and sort of digital designs for various different companies rather than the voice work or, or performance. So my focus as in the sort of financial necessity shifted to more to the, the mm -hmm. web design kind of things. But I was always keen to try and get some kind of performance element online. And at the time, the technology just really wasn't there. You couldn't stream anything. You know, this is sort of the days of a 14K or a 28K dial-up modem you know this is yes, really yes. really slow and um so it kind of progressed from there um worked in a couple of different design studios making different um websites and and digital design so like making websites stuck at the time because it, 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 yeah. it, it was a good industry i mean like it's a lot of, of work yeah, it was a good industry. There were some really good people as well that I was mm -hmm. working with, really nice teams. Um, and then uh, Rebellion uh, came on the horizon. They needed someone to do that kind of thing for them. So mm -hmm. I started there as their head of internet. Just a heads up for people that know Rebellion. Rebellion, they're like a video game studio mm. since the 90s, really. I think they started with like Game Boy uh, games. Mm, they the were doing like... Oh, they must have been doing... SNES and Mega Drive work at the time. I'm not sure they did SNES, but they definitely did Atari Jaguar. Atari they did Jaguar. Aliens versus Predator. That's it. That's it. That was that's their what, big title. That's what launched them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. But they must have done something else before then. Very possible. But I mean, they oh, they went into better. Yeah, so many different platforms. They're like they're one of those uh, video game 
studios that are still been up and running since. Yeah, and, and now they still have good games out. I mean, like, yeah, now most people will know them from the Sniper Elite series. Yes, That's their sort of big um, series at the moment. But really good team. Uh, they're great guys. The brothers that run it, Jason and Chris Kingsley, um, and they they've now sort of diversified into film production and. Um, uh, novel and comic publications they bought 2000 ad for example so they've really kind of yeah. diversified their offering but at the time are you still working with them now, no no just keep in touch with them touch yes with them. but at the time it was um uh it was purely the game so i i came in to, to head up their uh, internet team and get the website up and running <laughs> the internet team oh yeah yeah which which consisted Amazing. of me initially, yeah. uh, you know, but, but the idea was to come in and kind of put all of that in place, get the website up and running and yeah, yeah. kind of put some strategy, as we would call it now, uh, yeah. in place. Um, I but mean, it was that's really it. Good. That was early, early days. One of the remits was to look into WAP. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how early it is. WAP. You know, so... Um, can, you, can you explain to me what WAP is? WAP was like the really, really early mobile gaming... Uh, sort of approach where you know um, things like snake that kind of thing like yeah. green uh, or kind of monochrome screens on your phone you know way way before smartphones and that kind of thing so yeah. you know we're talking really really kind of early days and mm. then as I was there um, because of my 2D sort of art skills I worked on a lot of the actual titles as well I created the front ends of the menus the HUDs the um, uh, the fonts for a lot of games I worked on Lots of really cool movie tie-ins, like The Mummy, for example. We yeah. did um, a multi-platform release for that. And so I was working on the menu design and on the font design and and the hard. Uh, I mean, that's a pretty decent contract for the time. I mean, for Rebellion to get, you know, the rights to do the the video game for The Mummy. Yeah, they, well, the because AVP, Aliens vs. Predator, yeah. was so um, successful and was really their kind of calling card, uh, it opened I, I think it really it opened a lot of doors for them in terms of movie licensing they I, we also worked on uh, Mission Impossible for the Game Boy mm. and you know there were lots of those kind of titles and tie-ins um, uh, that was really good fun it was a really great team a lovely building like just a really lovely building to work in and uh, it doesn't it doesn't exist anymore actually it's been torn down and rebuilt by the university now right. um, but they've gone from strength to strength and really grown so but that was my that was sort of how I got into gaming and where I worked mm -hmm. in gaming for a couple of years and then uh, decided to move to London. Went to work for... Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, where the streets are paved with chewing gum and uh, <laughs> leaves and rubbish and whatever else. While Oxfordshire was probably like pristine. No gum and leaves and rubbish <laughs> and everything else. Um so I went to London, worked for a couple of different internet service providers, worked for World Online, first of all, headed up their UK design team, mm. and then worked for Tiscally. Tiscally, man. They kind of uh, um, They were merged. huge in Italy. Yeah. Tiscally, big like, big uh, Sardinian uh, yeah. sort of operation. Yeah. So then was head of design for the portals, the, uh, the content portals, uh, and... For their content portals. Portal. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Just that, this is like something I'm always been curious, right? Because I'm familiar with the last 10 years of the industry because I've been in the industry. But beforehand, how did it work? Because like the, the internet was, um, like we're talking here, we're talking late 90s, early 2000, right? Yes. Yeah. So the internet was still very rudimental. Like how did it work at the time? Like how did you get stuff done? Do you know what I mean? Like, 
what were you guys using? It's like, how, how was it? <laughs> like, it feels like prehistoric times for me now. Oh, God, yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, when you look back, it's always the same with technology. When you look back, you know, and now we're working with sort of 4K video or 8K video or, yeah. or stereoscopic video or whatever. And you look back and you think, I had trouble getting a GIF the right size to go through across a <laughs> yes. dial-up modem. But when you're going the other way, um, those exciting sort of leaps and bounds either content goes forward and technology catches up or technology goes forward and content catches up. So yeah. it's a sort of staged process. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, and so it, at the time, um, the the remit for my team was um, providing creative support for the editorial team, but also providing creative support for the product teams as well. Uh, mm -hmm. We had lots of products like, um, like Dial-Up or Broadband yep. was was starting to come into play or ADSL as they call it then. ADSL, yeah. yeah. Kind of it was mind-boggling. I mean, like, I was on Discord, so there you go. I, I went from 56K to ISDN. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. you, you could, at the time, connect to the internet and make a phone call mm -hmm. at the same mm. time. It was mind-boggling. Yeah. Finally, my mom, which loved to be on the phone with <laughs> a friend, could <laughs> phone, and I could be on the internet playing Diablo. It was a win-win <laughs> for everybody. So uh, the number of times, I mean, this is something that a lot of people just don't know about anymore. But when you're on a dial-up modem, you'd be connected and it would take four or five minutes to connect, yeah. let alone to actually download a web page. And then someone else in the house would pick up a phone in another room and that was it. Your connection That's would be it. lost and you'd have out. to start the whole thing all over again. It, it, was, a, it was an organizational nightmare, especially <laughs> yes. if I didn't have siblings. But if you had siblings, I can't imagine it would have been a nightmare. Um but like having moving from ISDN, which was seven seven KB downloads, mm -hmm. so you basically you would go to like Tiskali and you would wait thirty seconds to load all the images, and it would be all super low res images, and um, and then the ADSL came in. Wow. Mm -hmm. Man, porn has never been as fast. You know? <laughs> it was so it was blazing fast. You could you could go you could read the news and it would the, the site would load in two seconds, yeah. three well ten seconds. You'd be like, wow, yeah. this is the future. Yeah, yeah. You know, you could actually play like online proper first person shooter games and yeah. And then I got a call out of the blue. I was uh, I was munching some lunch and I got a call out of the blue from Microsoft. Yeah, I was really surprised at this. Uh, I was 23, I think. They had you. Yeah, they, they called me up out of the blue and said, we have this role and, you know, we've been sort of recommending your name and would you like to come in and talk to us about it? Wow. Uh, uh, you know, and, and you, your initial reaction in your head is, mm -hmm. okay, like, right. which one of my mates is playing yeah. a prank on me? Who is know? this? Uh, Charlie, is this you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it wasn't, it was, it was for real. So I went in and, and talked to them about what they needed to do. Um, and I was really excited by that, so so very happily accepted. And and the idea there was to basically go in and process myself out of a job. Mm -hmm. They had a team that handled all of the massive multinational advertising deals mm -hmm. um, that that sort of helped those clients achieve whatever success they needed to with those deals. And this would be you know sort of tens of millions of, of right. dollar campaigns. Hold hold the phone, right. He's holding firmly to his uh, it's a iPhone. Good, good visual gag on an audio a, podcast. Yeah, it's a great visual gag. So all, all, all the potato. No, go find a potato if you can. Um, where, when we're talking 2000, so you were 23, so this must have been 2001. About 2001, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And again, the internet, 
very different beast. It's not like there is Facebook you can buy advertising from. I don't think Google AdSense existed in 2001. No, no. So it's not like PPC was an easy task either. It's like you had to contact site by site and, and get advertising on, on, on those platforms, right? So how, first of all, you must have been one of the few people that were very familiar with this because you've been doing websites since you were like a kid. So like by the time you were 21, you've been doing, you know, you've been dealing with this digital work for like five years. So already you were ahead of your competition, right? And like to get a call from Microsoft, you must have felt quite proud of yourself. Do you know what? It's been, it's been really difficult for me personally to, to stop and um, not, not difficult to take pride in in something I've done. I'm, I've mm. always taken pride in my work. I've always taken pride in making sure I deliver good work. Yeah. But taking pride in myself has been something that's been really difficult for me. Um, and it's only really been these last sort of three years where my partner has really helped me to understand that the importance of that. So you're one of those people that don't take stock of what they've done. Do you know what? I... I when I when I started working, mm. when I started my own company, which we'll get to in a minute. Jumping ahead here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was really conscious that I didn't want to get arrogant. I didn't want to get complacent. Mm. You know, I didn't want, because I knew right off the bat we were working with some really big names and some great projects. Yeah. And I didn't want that sort of age old thing that you hear of, of someone getting so complacent because they picked up one or two great contracts and then it all falls through and nothing ever happens yeah. and you've pissed everybody off because you've been arrogant. And I was really worried that not that I consider myself an arrogant person, but that I, I didn't want that to happen. Mm. So I didn't allow myself to, at the end of a project go, you know what, not only have we done great work, but Bloody hell, like that's really cool for, for at the time when I started my own company, some guy working in his in his spare bedroom, yeah. you know, until three in the morning to get it done. That's really cool. That's a really good achievement. And so I hadn't done that on purpose and that filtered in over the years to just being something I never did. Mm. And so, you know, now um, my partner's really helped me to see, actually, that's important. It's important for me. It's important yeah. for my work. And it's important for my clients to see that, that, I'm, that I recognize that working with them is a huge deal and, and that I'm really proud of what I've done for yeah. them and the success that's meant for them. Um, so at the time, the short answer of your question is, is at the time, you weren't aware. It, I just wasn't. Yeah, it just wasn't clicking. That's so annoying because I, I relate to that a lot. Because my uh, wife was the same with me, my partner. Right at the time, she was always like, "You, you got to stop for mm. a second and look at what what you're doing by yourself." Because you know, I, I tend to move around a lot. I tend to do different things, different projects. That, like throw myself into things, like, and then burnout <laughs> that I have right. to stop because right. I don't have any energy left and I never really look back and see and say oh I've done well for me I'm not never done really well for me I'm always buying meddling can you know okay. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle can I like just above mediocre which is not true no but I, I take pride in what I do and I love what I do I really like whenever I work with a client I'm like you so I've said no to many clients there not because I wanted to say no to them, but because once after we discussed, we realized that what they, they wanted, it wasn't what they needed. Actually, with less money and, and a little bit of a different strategy, they could have done better and off they go and find someone else to do it. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I understand and I agree with that. But uh, yeah, I, I never really um, stopped and said, 
oh, I achieved loads. I'm always like, I need to achieve more. I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not satisfied. You know, mm-hmm. not happy with this. I want, I want more. It's, it's, it, it's all about um, self improvement for me as well. It's never about like money is a byproduct. It's something I need and and I want to have a good life. I don't need to be rich. I don't need to be a millionaire. But mm-hmm. like, I, I like you know, if I'll ever make enough money that I can call myself that, it would be great. But to me, it's more about how do I provide a lifestyle to my family that we're all happy and we can enjoy we can work hard but also go on a holiday you know i have like a normal life really and and, and no and i'm not looking for crazy <clears throat> but it's very hard to like look at what you've done and say oh this is great you know microsoft call you and say hey do you want to become our creative director for digital advertising you know and you're like well ah, cool I can fit that in my schedule. I, I yeah. could do that. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing is, it's, I mean, I know from, you know, we've we've only met a couple of times, but yeah. I know from the conversations we've had, I feel like we're very similar in a lot of our approaches to things and the way, we, so, way yeah. we sort of feel about things. And for me, and maybe it's the same for you, it's about, um, um, there's a sort of, um, we don't want to blow our own trumpets, you know? <laughs> yes. We'd, it's a, there's a, there's a thing there where we know we do good work, you know, we, yeah, I mean, sort the of logically, are, we know happy, the clients yeah. are happy. They're coming back to us. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we know that that's good. We know we've achieved some great stuff, mm. uh, you know, in, in, over the years. Um, but it's sort of somehow for people like you and I, it's difficult to say it. It's difficult mm. to acknowledge it. Yeah. You need your wife or your partner to come and say, hey. Slap you around the face and yeah, say. You, you've done great. Just take a break. It's fine. Yeah. And exactly. I'm bad at that. Like, <laughs> whatever. Uh, I'm going to say something to the people that work for me. Because I push to the very last minute, you know. At uni, I was the guy walking down the corridor with my laptop in my hands, finish the final render, you know, like I'm like that. Until I have a minute, I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna squeeze that minute and make the most out of it. Um, so I, it was very beneficial for me to get someone that gets it and, and goes like, I just, nah, just, it's fine. Mm. It's it's good. Mm. You know, it's okay. You don't need to work until four in the morning. Sorry, guys. Um, it's just uh, you, you. You can just. It's fine. It's 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 good enough. Sometimes good enough. You know. Yeah. And, and so the only caveat that I would put with that is, for example, when I started the business, it was a necessity to oh, work. Yeah. You know, as much as you could, uh, as often as you could. Oh yeah. Because you know, especially the way I did it, I started with no loan, with no investment. Um, I just made that decision to kind of take the yeah. leap. So it. So it you went a, okay before we get to that. Yeah. Then sorry. Well, because uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm bad at tangents. I always go on a tangent. But like, so with Microsoft, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You took the job, clearly. Mm-hmm. But also, we need to remind, to, rem, to remind ourselves, right? That you you like drama, too. You, mm-hmm. know, you, you like getting on stage and doing your silly thing. And, and then how do you go, you know, from that to like working at Microsoft, which is a very serious, very corporate place to work for. I mean, that's what people say. I never worked for Microsoft. <laughs> But, um, you know, that, that kind of mix in you, in your head, like, how did it, how did you cope with that? Cause like, you must've been looking for the thrill, the thrill of, you know, being on stage, being in front of other people doing your thing. So you've got, um, again, it's about telling a story, mm-hmm. you know, Microsoft is a, is a corporation mm-hmm. and a lot of the brands that we were working with were consumer focused, 
consumer facing brands sort of nike and warner brothers and yeah um so they will come Fox to you these companies mm-hmm. to get advertising space to then advertise their work or they will come to you to work on their on their creative so they came predominantly what the premier media group the, the one that i was uh, global cd for they came to that group for multi-market advertising campaigns right. that ran across things like the msn portals okay. um, or other microsoft advertising products microsoft now has it this uh, sort of ra- or oath as they are now has this sort of raft of advertising products that's really well thought out it's really well planned it's all put together um and it makes a fantastic offering for Mm -hmm. an advertiser back then they were just starting to put that together so the the products they had were really good um but the the way they worked the way they sold those into the clients was was all still um sort of early days and they were really Mm -hmm. kind of figuring that out um despite online advertising being a thing for you know sort of four or five years beforehand it was still in its infancy and technology was was changing the way technology was changing so fast that that it was difficult on a product level to keep your products up to date and but they had a really good team uh, or teams rather behind all those products so one of the things for me in terms of um telling a story should we say was when we were pitching an idea to a client you know you you're standing up at the front of the room you have effectively an audience there so that was your audience so it's not really a performance because mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a performance in the sense that a lot of people think of performance as in you know you're telling a fictional thing yeah. you're becoming a different character but there was that thrill of well I'm standing here and I'm 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 coming up with a creative concept and I'm trying to explain um, to this client why I think this creative concept uh, concept is the right approach for their product or service or brand Mm -hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed that you know that really um, that is storytelling and it it really sort of ticked those boxes for me and at the same time I'm coming up with designs I'm coming up with scamps and and visuals and mock-ups and animations so that that kid that was playing with the plasticine is also getting fulfillment, yeah. creative fulfillment. But I'm also learning so much as well. Microsoft is a fantastic company to work for in terms of learning mm-hmm. because you are you are um, exposed to so many different teams, to so many different ways of doing things. Um, and the biggest thing that I learned at, at Microsoft, uh, and I've said this for years, is when you make a mistake, put your hand up and you say, I did that, how can I fix it? Mm. Um, uh, because everybody, when you do that, everybody will say, it's okay, it's all right, it's fine, let's let's fix it together. Like, people make mistakes, don't worry about it, let's fix it together. The second you try and hide it or pass it off as somebody else's mistake or whatever, that's exactly when it's going to come back and bite you on the ass. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the openness, I, you know, it's not that I hadn't made a mistake before, but I'd never had that. Um, that sort of support in, in in other organizations where they were saying oh, it doesn't you know it's fine it's a mistake yes but let's let's see how we can alter this around or um, as was my case at Microsoft um, this has happened with another team I won't mm-hmm. go into the details obviously but no. this has happened with another team can you help us fix it you know yeah. they've they've said that this is the problem so I saw from the outside put your hand up admit your problem ask for help and you'll get the help. And it's the best way of solving something. And I've always tried to stick with that. You know, it really yeah. it really sort of rang true with me. And it wasn't something that I'd seen before. I, wouldn't, I hadn't seen people do that. I mean, you're talking about this is the London office of Microsoft. Right? Yeah. 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 This was at the time, this was in uh, Great Portney Street, just uh, off uh, Covent Garden. Right. Because uh, Soho, sorry, not Covent yeah. Garden. 
the reports are like, you know, they're, they're conflicting with this. There's a lot of people that 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 shows a very cutthroat environment at Microsoft, especially especially in the early days. So it's like <clears throat> that comes to show that it really comes down to the people that you have around you. Mm. There's sometimes the system in place they're good, but if they get used badly, then you know the things turn sour and then the whole office can can become an, a hell to work with to work for i and i really i really um feel for people that are in a job or in an organization where that's the atmosphere because it's horrible, horrible. you know especially having to get up every day and go back there oh imagine that, that. yeah it, so that wasn't my experience there there yeah. was a good team or teams really good people everybody was intent on working and they worked hard you know mm. there wasn't there weren't many days there where I didn't leave before sort of half eight, nine o'clock at night. And this is, I was living in Oxfordshire at the time. So then there was a sort of two and a half hour commute back and so then come back in again in the morning. You basically so. had no life. You would basically get up, go to the office and come back home. Yeah. But so that's bad because you, you should be leaving at half five. You exactly. Know? You know, um, but so there were a couple of things that I learned there. And, and one of the key learnings for me in terms of a creative was to get to understand the entire process of whatever it is you're working on. Mm. So uh, one of the things they launched was an advertising product on the Windows Live Messenger platform. This right. were called uh, Personal Expressions. And it was a collection of different animations and static images and things like that that you and I could share if we were talking. And uh, they could be sponsored by advertisers. Mm -hmm. So the first couple were that I saw didn't quite work uh, I can't remember the exact brand. Let's say, for example, it was Coke. Yeah. I don't think it was, but let's say it was Coke. And so well, the assets that we had were I could send you an animation of a Coke bottle. Mm -hmm. why, why, why would I? It yeah. doesn't make any sense. Um, and what I came up with was what this idea should be is about emotion. Wow. Uh, if you've said something funny to me on Messenger, then I'm going to want to send something back that indicates I'm laughing. That isn't just me typing LOL. Yeah. There's some little animation. And so I went to the uh, sales teams and talked to them about incorporating this element of emotionality in, yeah. in the advertising uh, placements and talk to your clients about that. And I went back to the product teams and talked to them about how can we, this is the feedback I'm getting from the sales teams and the clients. This is my feedback from a technical perspective on, mm -hmm. on the product and a creative perspective. How can we, for future iterations of this how can we change that and work that around so i really got involved in all the stages of the product um to make sure that it was the best that it could be and when they launched the beta product that ended up generating 20 million us dollars mm -hmm. uh so because the product worked on an emotional level it became one of the most successful um advertising products that they had at the time mm -hmm. uh, and one of the campaigns that I worked on was for the Simpsons movie and that became the most successful personal expression campaign mm -hmm. ever run on that platform because it was about an emotion it was tying those advertising placements mm -hmm. to an emotion that made sense to use the assets so that was that was kind of you know in a nutshell my time at, at Microsoft what happened is you left after a couple of years yeah well I, my remit was to basically process myself out of a job Mm -hmm. come in, set up the team, because the team was in existence, but it worked in Redmond in Washington. So right. for European clients or clients across EMEA, yeah. you know, there were time zone differences and creative sort of cultural differences as well. Yeah. Um, so put in place myself uh, and, and a sort of um, operations manager came on board, put in place teams that got all the processes and, and teams in place across the markets for EMEA. Mm -hmm. uh, and by the end of that, uh, my first child had been born. So I was leaving before he was 
waking up and coming back after he'd gone to sleep. Yeah, that's a no-no. So, you know, it got to the point where um, they they were talking to me about moving out to Washington and working for them out in Washington. Um, and it, it that at the time was not something that was sort of on the cards for me. And uh, I'd already, before I started there, I'd already started to pick up a few clients as a sort of freelance outside of, of my kind of day-to-day stuff, which uh, I've always done. It's always been... Um, you know, all above board and everyone that I've ever been working for mm. has known that that's that I've right. got these clients. Uh, and I started to pick up a few. And then just at the end of my time at Microsoft, um, I got a call to come and talk to a production company called Big Bear Films about their new show, The Hairy Bikers. Right. Uh, it was a pilot that they were putting together. Um, no, sorry, at that time the pilot had happened and they'd been commissioned for their first series. So they mm. wanted to have a website for The Hairy Bikers and... They had these huge plans. Uh, even right at the beginning, they knew that they were onto to a sort of winning formula with these guys, uh, and so it just kind of felt like actually, if there's never a right time to say I'm going to strike out on my own, if you wait for the perfect opportunity, you're going to be waiting forever. Yeah. But there seemed to be a number of key things in place that made me feel like actually this is the right time to to do this to yeah. start and start a company and work for myself full time. You know, I've got a kid that's six months old. Of course, yeah. this is the right time to do this. Yeah. Um, and that's that was the time as well. That like being freelancer, it meant like having a company. Use the we, you know, like yes. use it, run it as a company, but actually it was just yourself. Well, right now, there is a lot of value of being yourself and being your own company, and people know you the way you are. I think that the personality aspect is a lot more important now than yeah, absolutely than it was at the time. So you decided to start this company. Yes. So you started 2004 Microsoft and left, left yeah. 2006. Yeah. And that was YouTube had just launched pretty much. Mm-hmm. So And Facebook was starting to get traction on in the US in the college circuit, university circuit. So the internet was about to change. Mm-hmm. So you went solo. So I went solo. I started uh, Redbox New Media. Redbox New Media. Yeah. Can, can, I, can I open and close a bracket? You talk about peanut films. <laughs> wow okay yeah you have done your research yeah yes. okay what is i can't find any information is not in the company of houses what is no peanut so films? peanut films was uh uh an attempt at starting up a film production company right um uh, had a, a slate of films in sort of various different stages of development right and um it just, we'd never got any funding. We never got any investment, okay. you know, so it just, it didn't go anywhere. And I didn't have, because I was still trying to sort of build Redbox at the same time, you know, yeah. and I had two young kids and I just didn't time have the time limited, to yeah. really focus on getting, uh, getting that off the ground. So, so that was a, a sort of reasonably short lived, uh, entity, but wow. Congrats on finding that. Man, I, re- I, I this is good. I, I like this thing. I like uh, this. So, <laughs> what was your mentality, with Red Bus? Okay, okay. So, I've got a baby now, mm-hmm. right? And, and I'm a freelancer already, so mm-hmm. I'm in the soup. But if I was gonna go <laughs> without a paddle, yes, um, I'm swimming already with the potatoes and the carrots and the onions. You know, I'm, I'm in pizza. there. As long as they don't blend me, I'm fine. But like, <laughs> if if I was to go freelance now with a baby. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Do you know, I would be very stressed, mm-hmm. really scared. How did you cope with that at the time? Well, I remember that I had some clients already. Right. So well, I didn't. Did you have enough money coming in at the time? 
I, I looking back now, probably not. Right. Um. I, uh, actually, that's probably that's probably a bit unfair. Uh, you know, I was well aware of the responsibilities that I had before right. doing it. You know, that played so heavily on my decision. Um. But I did know that you know, I've got these clients already, mm. and they're producing X amount of income, yeah. and the feel is you know with things like the hairy bikers. Uh, coming on board as clients, if yeah. the feel is there's some growth here that, uh, and I, I spoke to a couple of other um, production agencies and they became clients as well. And so the the sort of initial model that I was going for was working with Prodcos because not only do they need their own stuff, they need their own site and their own branding and their own. Did you say watching station. with? Working with you said Podco. Uh, pr- uh, production companies. Oh, production. Prodcos. Okay, okay, they also have product. So if they come up with a pitch, for example, for a commissioning editor, then maybe they need some branding for that pitch. Maybe they need some document beautification. If that pitch is successful and they get commissioned, maybe they need uh, on-screen titles or graphics or maybe they need packaging or, you know, so there's the, the approach was to go to companies that had multiple chances to work with them, that they would need multiple sets of work as opposed to one company that has one product that doesn't change for 12 months. Um, plus, it was in an industry that I liked, right? It's storytelling. Right. So all the time, it's always coming back for me to storytelling and, mm-hmm. and, and sort of being immersed in that. So telling approach. those stories, regardless where you're telling them, but like that was that was the focus. Yeah, absolutely. Always, always has been, and, and I think always will be, really. So, so Redbox started with me in a little spare bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the very first jobs I did was ba- making banner adverts for a toothpaste. Classic. That were only going to be seen in Maine. Classic, yes. Okay. Uh, and uh, I, it was as I was working on those. We're using Flash then at the time. Uh, that was animated GIFs, and so at the time, okay. at the time, I think I was using Photoshop and and just uh, do frame by frame. Do frame by frame. Yeah. yeah. Um, Been there, done that. Yeah, <laughs> I did a lot of flash work. Um, really early flash work, actually, bef- way before I even went to Rebellion. So sort of 96, so you, 97. Macromedia Flash. Ma- yes, yeah, so a Macromedia yeah. Flash. Yeah, absolutely. I was a I was a certified Macromedia Flash professional. I have my certificate and everything. No way. A badge for my swimming you trunks. You see, we're, we're, see I, 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 was, I started as a Flash developer to begin with. Oh, really? Yeah. Awesome. Oh, there you go. You there see? you go. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I was doing these banners and it, w- it was uh, sort of half two, three o'clock in the morning that I had this email mm-hmm. from... Um, uh, a lady who's now a really good friend of mine who worked, uh, was very high up at Fox and I'd worked with her at Microsoft. Uh, and when I left Microsoft, um, I had cleared everything that it was okay for their clients to be in touch with me mm-hmm. uh, as long as, you know, there yeah. were a sort of certain set of parameters that I wasn't allowed to do, course, but yeah, I, yeah. I didn't have 20 content portals that I could <laughs> take their advertising yeah. spend from. So she got in touch with me and said, um, we've got Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer coming up and we want you to make a personal expressions campaign wow. for it. Wow, that movie, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Well, that bombed hard, didn't it? Uh, it didn't do too badly. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah it okay. didn't do too badly. Um, <laughs> I like how you're super light. I didn't do too badly. Uh, so that was the first sort of big, really big project. For Fox, for not Fox. for you. Well, for, for Redbox. Mm. It was um, one of the first... Well, I think Fantastic Four had come out already, you know? The first film had come out, yeah. yeah. So this was a couple of years on. Um, and so, But for us, you know, going from literally working on a banner for toothpaste to having an email <laughs> saying, we want you to work on this campaign. I mean, that's, that's a massive change. going to run across 30 
markets and it yeah. needs localizing and what were you, know, you going to do like it was that like the whole fully fledged campaign or you were going one you were doing one aspect of that campaign this was one aspect so this was right. um uh within the total campaign of mm -hmm. marketing the film this was um uh advertising the film on the windows live messenger personal expressions product right that product that i helped microsoft launch because you had um, an expertise on it yeah so i became sort of known as the guy that understands that product mm -hmm. so microsoft asked me to uh, sorry uh, uh, fox uh, asked me to to work on that um and at the time microsoft uh didn't allow third-party vendors to create content for that product right so fox told them to change their policy in order to allow me in, well, in my bedroom that's pulling some weight to there. uh yeah. to to work on this it's and and it worked perfectly everybody was also microsoft knew you so like you yeah you, you had a history with them and it's like you know yeah you have to be a little bit flexible uh, yeah and and i think they understood that um they didn't have that resource in-house at the time uh, and also I was going left because I, yeah, <laughs> but I was going back. I mean, my team was there, you know, and they, mm -hmm. they knew exactly what they were doing and they did a really good job. Um, uh, but I think it helped because that product was still quite early. I think mm -hmm. it helped, um, Fox in terms of knowing, well, he's the expert on this. Yeah. So we've got him working on it. It helped Microsoft knowing, well, Fox are happy because they know they've got the expert working on yeah. it. And we know the guy we're after. And we know the yeah. guy, you know, um, I mean, I was still, being hired by Microsoft to go in as a consultant and train their sales teams. Right. Okay. That's another so, key element on starting a new business. Like if you leave and you know that you're going to get some consultancy uh, fees from yeah. Microsoft, then yeah. Well, I didn't know when I left. You didn't know. But, okay. uh, but that sort of came about because they had multiple teams across EMEA that were selling the product. Mm. Uh, so I ran what they call brown bag sessions. Uh, right. where, where you, you know, it's it's a sort of very Americanized uh, way of calling it, but, you know, you'd bring your sandwich in in a brown paper bag and you'd yeah. sit there and eat that whilst someone was giving you a talk or a lecture right. or training you. Yeah. And that was going to be um, one session in London or two sessions in London over one day mm -hmm. just with a small team and it turned into multiple sessions with multiple countries Skyping in. That's and, awesome. You know, so it was really good fun. That's because you're a great entertainer. So they, they well, saw you could do, you, can, you, you got the knowledge you can deliver a talk. That's a, that's a, I'm, I like, you know, it's a good mixture, isn't it? I think the tap dancing shoes and the cane helped. <laughs> Did it's, you really? It's salt. No. Please tell me. <laughs> no, you got me excited there it's, for a moment. <laughs> it sold it. No, but so, you You're know. You're a so, boardroom entertainer. It's the best kind of entertainer. I uh, will get up on that boardroom table and do and a little dance routine. And tap as much as you like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then get escorted from the building, never to be asked back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was really amazing of Fox to put that trust in me, um, and it it went really well. And then off the back of that came the Simpsons movie, which was enormous uh, for us. And then again, this was creating the graphic for Windows Live Messenger, or oh, this was a huge, huge raft. This of was stuff. the whole campaign. So this it wasn't the whole campaign, but right. it was a lot. It was uh, the Windows Live messenger stuff which was actually two sets of everything right. which had never been done before um it was all sorts of html emails it was uh downloadable content it was sort of free goodies to give away like screensavers and ringtones and right so this for the time was it was a lot it was a, it was a huge amount of work and everything was localized to 31 different markets so you had to make the assets yourself yeah. so you 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 think about the assets or you you art direct the assets mm -hmm. And then you make the assets yourself mm -hmm. and then you send it to the different platforms that the assets had to go. Yes. So for, for the Simpsons movie, 
First of all, everything had to be approved by Matt Groening. Any asset you make. Please tell me you just emailed the guy directly and you're like, hey, me. I said, hey, Matty. Uh, yeah, Matty. How you doing? I got the new gift. What do you think? <laughs> I think it'd be great if Homer was blue. What yeah. do you reckon? What do you think? Um, so, and and what the way that that went from a sort of creative point of view, I think is quite interesting because Fox sent me all sorts of different assets, mm. um, pre-release clips and little uh, um, clips from the movie, but also, which was they weren't really sort of sharing with other people. A couple of other vendors had got those, but no. they were then also the kind of electronic press kit type materials. Yeah. And they were great, but they weren't quite right. They weren't quite working. So working with a really um, uh, really awesome guy who was at Fox at the time called Jonathan Tavs, he and I were coming up with the idea of uh, compiling different bits together to make a better story. Mm. So we had, for example, a clip mm. of... Um, Bart with his uh, slingshot, you know, firing something. Mm. And we had a clip of Homer jumping up and eating a, a donut from the Simpsons movie. If you remember the O in yeah, the yeah. Simpsons movie, yeah. it was a donut. Um, and uh, both of those are great fun, but they don't really tell a story. So but what if Bart has the donut in his slingshot, fires it in the air and Homer comes up and grabs it yeah, and eats yeah. it? Then that's a complete story. It's funny. It works, you know, on, on sort of multiple levels. So it was about tweaking a lot of content that I suppose was there because, you know, it's an animated movie you made everything in that movie so you probably have a lot of assets to work with and make it sync yeah and make it make it um make it tell a story make it tell a complete story yeah that was the key but then with something like the personal expressions part of the campaign the mm -hmm. technical limitations of that product were really tight the animations that we could share between you and i for example could be no more than six seconds had to be less than 75k which is nothing for which is tiny it's it's fine if it's an animation you have a, a white background you have like four colors there's there's yeah. a light there yeah yeah that's some technical points for you so we couldn't have um a video with a transparent background in You're kidding me that's heavy man yeah you we couldn't do have that. couldn't have video really i mean mm. it just it didn't work so that meant putting cutting together the story in video getting that approved then hand tracing each element of each cell mm -hmm. frame by frame yeah. for the entire thing. Rotoscope it and then put a different background in it. Couldn't do that. Neither. Couldn't do that right. back then. Had to be hand-drawn. This had to be, you know, vector illustration animated. Right. And you couldn't do um you couldn't do a tween. You couldn't you couldn't make it easy on yourself because then it wouldn't match what Gracie Films had provided. Because you, that had, was you, you had to match. Had that. to match it frame by frame. So the only way of doing it was hand tracing each element, each frame in vectors. Yeah. So that was. But well, that was fun. That was another sort of three, four o'clock in the morning, uh, and I was just going. I was just churning them out as quickly as I could. You know, taking care on them, but trying to get through because there was a huge amount of work. And at the end of the project, um, uh, Jonathan and, and Bettina, the, the, the two sort of main contacts at Fox, were so happy with it. They said that I was like their little hamster. And then about a week or so later, I got this little hamster in a ball that you plug into the keyboard. So when you type, the hamster goes round, and the faster you type, the faster the hamster goes, <laughs> which was hilarious. Um, so that, but that was a huge sort of um, boost for Redbox. You know, mm. we could then say, well, we've done these massive campaigns for this company. And you really sweat it. You, you sweat it for that one, but it gives you the, the sort of like the portfolio to then go and say how we've done X and Y. Yeah. And that whole industry, mm -hmm. the entertainment industry is all based on trust. And the second you can say, 
this is the work I've done and you know, you can talk to yeah. Jonathan or you can talk to Bettina at Fox and ask them. And, you know, they very kindly sort of vouch for me for other projects that we pitch for. And it, it just sort of grew from there, really. And like now that you're saying, I mean, there's so many aspects, especially now with like content, hashtag content. It's so much work, so many things you could make that I'm pretty sure you can get a project if you wanted to from that industry. I mean, there is enough going, going mm. around. Mm. Um, so how you did that for, you said, a huge number of movies i mean yeah but in the end uh, i think it was I, i've actually <laughs> this sounds really blasé and i don't mm -hmm. mean it to but i i've lost count i lost count um hundreds it's 160 something and the yeah. thing is that's the ones that i can talk about right there were lots that i did white label i mean it's probably actually more like 200 and something okay but um and those were all like small projects. Well, they're bigger projects, but like in within this campaign, there'll be like an aspect they would they would need taken care of, and they'll come to you and they'll say, "Can you do this?" Initially, yeah. Um, but then we got to a point where they started that um, personal expressions project uh, product mm -hmm. rather finished. They right. uh, when Microsoft bought Skype, they canned Windows Live Messenger. It's amazing. L Messenger was. Their messaging platform is together with ICQ at the time. Do you remember? Yeah, ICQ? I remember ICQ with the uh -uh. little. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. brilliant. We're old. Muscle wow, I'd forgotten yeah. that. Yeah, so it was like ICQ or Messenger. Yeah, and they managed to destroy that. It's incredible. It like, was. Yeah, it was. I, you know, I'd had a lot of sort of fun on Messenger, and uh, it was really sad to see that go. It's mad. Like you had this product, everybody was using it, and I, 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 in the like, bear was used everywhere around the world. I mean, yeah. Huge, huge in uh, China numbers. and India, Aye. like huge. Without them doing anything, without yeah. them doing any advertising for it or anything. That's what I'm talking about. You had you had a real solid product. Mm. What happened? How did you screw up Messenger? To to an extent that you had to go off and buy Skype, which was not really used for messaging. It was more used for phoning. Mm. Baffling. It was. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Well, Microsoft does. Yeah. Um, so. So it started off with little right, things yeah. and it sort of grew, um, or, or rather it started off with parts of campaigns. Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, we started making elements or assets for m digital marketing that were not um, uh, the, the personal expressions. Mm -hmm. So they were things like wallpapers or screensavers or ringtones, that kind yeah. of thing. And what I realized was they need this for every single film and a lot of the agencies wanted always approached Fox with, I've got this fantastic PR-worthy idea. It's never been done before. Yes. Probably make a viral video of it. It's going to be amazing. Uh, you know, um, and, yes. and that's really important for a campaign to have that thing that, that really grabs attention. And then they'd say, well, for value, you know, added value, yeah, we'll do your, your Facebook skin and we'll do your YouTube skin and your, and your so wallpapers. That would be like a second thought basically. yeah and they would add that in for yeah. what they would call added value and <laughs> what that what okay. that meant was it it was probably you know i don't want to sort of mm -hmm. um, cast stones but it was probably done as quickly as possible often it was delivered not to spec and there wasn't a huge sort of creative input in doing those assets because everyone was focused on the big idea that makes sense yeah um and so i realized that no one was taking time to do that and also whilst the the big PR-worthy idea is fantastic and amazing. The vast majority of eyes are on 
Facebook or YouTube or Twitter or mm-hmm. the official website or wherever it or Fandango for tickets or wherever it might be. Yeah. So actually, if we if we sort of put ourselves forward as the agency that takes huge care and attention to getting those assets right, always delivered to spec, mm-hmm. always delivered in a really easy to use format, you know, all the layers are named correctly, the instructions are all there in a text file, you know, mm-hmm. really top quality stuff. Uh, so we we I put that to Fox. Um, they really liked that idea, and I put that to them as a sort of package, like a yeah. toolkit. And then I said, um, you know, if we're going to package it all together, then this is how much each of these elements would cost individually. But why don't we talk about if you're going to give me all of this in one clump, then I'll give you a discount. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be able to say, well, we're going to do more than X number of these over twelve months, mm-hmm. then you're going to come back to me again and again. So I'll give you another discount. Basically, paying your retainer. Yeah, yeah, it didn't quite work as a retainer mm-hmm. um, for because the way they they their sort of financial mechanics, but. The idea was they got really good product at a really good price, and they knew what they were going to get every time. I got a, a, you know a, a good understanding of what work was going to come into the pipeline throughout the year, mm-hmm. um, and it just worked for for both of us. And so by the end of it, each toolkit was sort of around two hundred pieces of artwork, which is a lot, which is work. a huge amount, yeah. And it was that was the kind of core assets of what they use for their campaign, and then all the other stuff, the official sites or the um, the PR idea or yeah. the viral videos or whatever would also form part of the campaign, but those sort of core assets would come from us. It's hilarious because those assets now are the ones that bring in the numbers, right? You still need to do the PR campaign and mm-hmm. all, everything else for sure, but then those assets are the ones that people see. Those assets are the ones that they're doing the work over time. So, like, I think you 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 had um <clears throat> a good hunch at the time of tackling that from that perspective because now there are agencies that do just that right they yeah. do all the digital work yeah so like you were you were at the right time again in the right place you knew the right people so for for how long did that go like for how long you had your own your own company like redbox for how long did it go so when i was doing sort of freelance stuff and working for other people it was under mm-hmm. the banner of redbox redbox right. but redbox was sort of full-time proper from 2006 so it depends how you class it is it still if you going say now, it from 96 no yeah. if you if you class it from 96 when i started doing sort of freelance stuff mm-hmm. then it went for 22 yeah, years like, like i that, think you you should factor in from when you left microsoft yeah so from 2006 through to 2018 okay. and then 2018 my partner and i set up a brand new company yeah uh called cordial fox which is um, a creative consultancy yeah um and we wanted to approach everything really differently um which has sort of both reached that point in our lives right. where we wanted to do things in a different way uh, so right so that's it. what it was it was like you got to a point where you're like oh i've done this for 12 years it's been great yeah but now i want to i want to ex- ex- experiment with something different yeah. something new yeah i want to i want to approach all of this yeah. sort of uh, uh, i want to approach creativity and helping other people mm-hmm. in a different way so cordial is a uh, very um sort of ethically minded it's an inclusive uh, company and our outlook our, our mission basically is to make the world a brighter kinder more authentic mm. place um, and we really truly believe in that so what we try and do for example we did a, a direct mail campaign for a client we made sure obviously that the the stock was sort of um you know eco-friendly and recycled but we also made sure that the glues and the inks were cruelty free and that kind of right. thing so you, you're looking after those aspects there they, they are going to be more and more important mm-hmm. for um I would say the industry going forward, like we're going to have to be 
a bit more mindful about all of these aspects. So yeah, you, 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 you prob- again, you're finding yourself in a space where you could really try something different. You can build on, on your knowledge and your experience and over the years and then move into this new direction. I, th- I think it's, in a way, it's very smart because it's like, okay, we're going to keep doing this, but we're going to be more mindful. So there'll be brands that would like that. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge <coughs> thing. And, you know, we're really keen to to run a business that acts with purpose. Mm. And we're keen to work with other brands that act with purpose. And it's really, um, that's really important to us. And that there is no bigger purpose than what's going on in terms of climate. Mm-hmm. Because if that messes up, <laughs> nothing else matters. Yeah, well, that's you know what I mean? it's, done. Yeah. That's it. So that you can't really have a bigger, more bigger purpose than that. And everything else is reliant on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really, that's really important for us. Um, and uh, this uh, client, uh, this uh, campaign, we did the direct mail campaign. There was a little bit more expensive upfront for the client, but they got a really massive return on their investment on right. it. So it worked and they saw that it worked. And I think, Large brands have already cottoned on to the fact that consumers are much more focused on on yep. a purpose now, um, and I think that's sort of following through with with all organisations. I think they're seeing that one hundred percent. I mean, one industry I've seen uh, that's because I worked with a couple of clients in that industry. Is, it really is a skincare industry. They're right. They're, they're, they understand their their customers. They really um, they really pay attention about this these elements and. I think it would be a good place for you guys to talk to to brands, um, get in touch and say, hey, we're doing this thing and this is what we're paying attention to. Um, Because they are really switched on about it. Mm. And there is a lot of micro um, brands, smaller brands that they sell skincare products and they do it in a different way. And I think think you guys could could find a lot of work in in that area. I'd love to talk to people. I mean, as long as, you know, their products were cruelty-free. Yes, yes. As long as their products were sort of vegan-friendly as well, you know. uh, That's really, all of that kind of approach is really important to Mm -hmm. us. Um, And uh, every project for us is a sort of case-by-case basis, really, in in terms of um, who we'll we'll work with, who will help, and and what we want to achieve and help them achieve. Uh, Yeah, I mean, do, man. I mean, it's important. There's somebody uh, trying to kind of steer the ship into that into that direction. Um, if you know, I, I the the problem I see is working in an agency is a time consuming job that requires a lot of energy and mental energy. And when it comes down to this aspect, you'll be like, oh, just what, whatever, man, just get printed. You know, you, you go to the printer, you know that you always use. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not necessarily you know mindful about waste or. Uh, recyclable materials or recyclable or um you know biodegradable inks or whatever it's like it really is we need someone to pay attention to that so this we can slowly steer the bigger sheep mm. the mother sheep into yeah. that direction say okay guys we're doing this thing but like let's go do it over there instead i think over time we'll get there but oh it's for sure take a while. yeah i mean i i became a vegan um uh, oh, no. three years ago Right. Thank you very much for coming, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, and I've I've seen a just in that time I've seen a massive change in mm. the options of food that are available in restaurants and in supermarkets yeah. and um and and it's amazing to see that growth. You know, and we've we've now got um, 
films like the Game Changers, this documentary that features Schwarzenegger and um, Jackie Chan and mm -hmm. James Cameron and all all of them talking about a plant based lifestyle. Yeah, and I th and I'm seeing on on groups on Facebook, sort of vegan groups and vegan fitness groups on Facebook. I'm seeing a lot of people saying, "I've watched this. I'm going to change. I'm going to move across. How do I do it? How do I find out recipes? How do I find out?" You know, bodybuilders are saying, I know it's a misconception that vegans don't mm. have enough protein. I, I understand that, but I don't know where to get it from. Where do, where do I go, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I, I tried a vegan, a vegan lifestyle for, I think it was when I was the healthiest in my life, to be honest. Right. <laughs> so there you have it. But I think... I'll tell you what I struggle with, all right? I struggle with propaganda. So whenever I see something that is clearly propaganda, no matter which way it goes, it still is propaganda. Mm -hmm. So some of the vegan documentaries that are out there, um, they, they present the fact, but some of those facts are kind of like the fact that back you against the fact that eh, maybe they back you, maybe not. But if you know, if you say in a certain way, they do back you. So when, when I recognize that, like, you know that the vegan propaganda is huge, right? My, the way... I also I also feel that there is a bit of a misconception in terms of how people intend the, the the meat the diet. Where I know in America the way they eat meat is not the same way we eat we eat meat, right? Like we you might eat a little bit of meat here and there here for a meal. You might have a burger, but like you don't eat the type of steak they eat in America. Do you know what I mean? Like they have a complete different way of eating that it's not the same diet as they have in the UK, although the UK diet is not necessarily the healthiest, or in my country for that matter. I mean, the, the Mediterranean diet, the, there is meat, but it's an addition to, or it's there to flavor. Like when you make a pasta sauce, you would use, I don't know, 500 gram of mince, for instance, which is, it could be, you could argue it's a lot of meat, but that pasta sauce feeds a family three times. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's used for flavoring. It's a different type of ideology. If America ate, like, European ate meat, there would be a lot less of an issue in the world. <clears throat> I'm not blaming America by all means, but their dietary consumption, consumption is insane. The amount of dairy they eat compared to the amount of dairy we eat is completely different. So when I see certain, certain um, documentaries about veganism, or like, you know, meat and white meat is a problem, I agree with that, but some of it is, is propaganda. And when I get <clears throat> that and I watch that, all it does is make me think that if you're pushing too much towards one side of it, somebody's making money from it. Because somebody is going to cast their influence, whatever that somebody is, a corporation or whatever, someone is making money from it. Because when it's too much, you realize that there, is, there, are, some, there are interests at stake. So I don't disagree with the vegan diet. I think if you have a few vegan meals during the week, kudos, it's good, man. We don't eat meat all the time, but I do eat meat. And I think within reason is not going to be an issue. An issue is overconsumption. And also on the climate change uh, angle of this, <clears throat> again, it's all down to diet. If you eat the way Americans eat meat, then it's a problem. If you eat the way like we eat meat, it's not as problematic. We'll be better off cutting emissions. We'll be better off saying, uh, why don't we put all our efforts into removing petrol cars from the road in five years time. At give incentives, everybody buys an electric car, which I'm pretty sure comes with other issues we're gonna have to solve, but that to me would make more of a difference than if everybody has a plant-based existence. Do you know what I mean? 
then again, this is what I believe. But sorry, I went on tired. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. I, I, I just like I feel passionately about it. I don't diss it. Kudos. I just think that a balanced diet is is much better. And that balanced diet can be vegetarian or vegan, and it's not that. But <clears throat> when it's pushed too hard, then I'm always like, hmm, okay. So you can. I'm first off. I'm not one of those sort of vegans that instantly jumps on a meat eater and says right. you're doing wrong you need to change totally, yeah. um, but for me it's about two issues first and foremost it's about animal cruelty so even if you reduce your consumption even if you change the dietary habits of Americans mm -hmm. to make them more like Europeans you, those animals are still suffering and yeah. uh, and that's not right as from my perspective Fair enough, yeah. then the secondary uh, aspect to it and I say secondary because that's where I came to it and that's the order I came to it in but actually I think it's more important mm -hmm. um, no, not more important it's, it's more equally it's important. more pressing more pressing and that is the climate aspect of it right. you have these corporations that are churning out you know a million burgers a minute and they are cutting down huge huge swathes of rainforest and mm. not replacing them uh, just for uh, the growing of the crops to feed the animals mm. to produce cheap shitty burgers the amount of water man that takes and for a water, burger is yeah. insane or for a t-shirt so it's and insane. all of that is is hugely pressing you know as we were saying earlier that that entire sort of climate change issue so yeah. so that needs to be tackled in conjunction with things like you know uh, cutting down emissions and uh, um, reducing plastic and reducing waste yeah. and, and all that kind of thing um but but for me though those are really um those are sort of really key things to to focus on. I am uh, uh, mentally and physically the healthiest I've ever been, mm -hmm. having been on a, on a oh, vegan I, diet. Oh, I can vouch for that. That's true. You know, and and I know full well that I get a really balanced diet. I get everything yeah. that I need from it. Um, and I've been really lucky because I got together with a vegan who'd been a vegan for a year and a, a year and a half beforehand. So she'd already gone through that transition. So she'd mm -hmm. already found what the alternatives were. She'd already found how to veganize favorite dishes yeah. and they don't taste any different. They're just as yeah. tasty. You know, the pasta dish, you can put in some soy mints or you can put in uh, uh, some other kind of alternative. I mean, you can make pasta sauce in any different ways, yeah. many different ways. It doesn't need to be, oh, you can be vegan, no bother. It's, it's just a choice, I guess. And and as long as you're eating well and you feel well, muscle tough, you know. What pisses me off is when it's overdone. Not the veganism, <laughs> but I'm talking about <clears throat> um, just meat eaters as well. Like if you eat meat every single day, like you have big meat meals every day, then it's a problem because mm -hmm. you're over-consuming um, meat. I think it's a problem it, when whenever there's somebody making that much amount of money, you're not going to stop them just because there is too much that the aspect of wealth and resources and natural resources um is, is fucked up and, and you're not going to convince people to change their mind either because it's been like that forever ah, but here's the thing consider greg's okay so greg's greg's the 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 cornerstone of of everybody's uh sausage roll fantasies yes. right uh so they launched a vegan sausage roll yeah uh -huh. and they put some money behind marketing it yeah their share price increased because of how successful that vegan sausage roll it's was. hilarious and that's because the but is that how successful the sausage was or how successful the pr campaign was i think it's both 
Right. You know, and that's what you need. Like it's any product that you want to sell, right? You mm. need a good PR or marketing campaign yeah. to, to get it going. Yeah. But the, the end result is the same. That company made more money as a result of stocking a vegan product. And they're now going to do veganize their entire range. So they'll still, unfortunately, from my perspective, have the, the, the meat products, but they'll have also have vegan versions of it. Yeah. They've seen as an organization, as a, as a corporation, they've seen the financial benefit in offering vegan versions and yeah. other companies are doing the same thing they've all cottoned on and they're all doing the same thing yeah I, again you know that's a good angle because that's what i'm saying you can detach companies corporations and people on top of corporations from wealth and money because that's all they know that's all they understand so if it makes them more money massive tough uh, we're now at a stage where like all you have to do is add you know a vegan sausage in and that'll be fine but you know over time if we keep this, the trend keep going, going, then you're going to have to put a lot more effort in it, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want to achieve, um, if you want to make more money, because then people will be like, I don't just, I don't, you know, a vegan sausage is being done, man. I need more. Mm. I need, I need whatever. I need vegan croissants, you know? So it's like... Sainsbury's, delicious. Delicious. <laughs> so I think <clears throat> we are definitely going to get there and more people, it's like that, more, the more people uh, decide with their wallets, Mm -hmm. the closer we're going the faster we're going to get there it's the same with everything the problem is that when you shine a light on on food which is definitely an issue then we need to shine a light on everything else because as i was saying before when a cotton t-shirt takes however many liters of water then mm -hmm. we have a problem mm -hmm. because people can buy a cotton t-shirt for one pound 20 print it and sell it for 20 mm -hmm. do you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it's like when when that is a problem how are we going to fix that are we going to ever recycle any of the clothes or are they going to sit in, in landfills somewhere? It's, um, that's another pressing issue. Yeah. And there's a, there's a nobody, list, nothing is as, yeah. you know, as long as, as long as a mile yeah. of, of everything that's screwed so, and needs fixing. Great food. Let's sort that fine. Let's sort everything else as well. Um, for, for me, the, the being a vegan isn't just about the food. It's, it's a, a a lifestyle, it's a lifestyle. I, although I hate that term. But I mean, I'm wearing these boots, for example. Are they vegan boots? Okay. Do yeah. they look like leather? Sort of. They yeah. look like plastic leather. Well, but they keep me dry. <laughs> they keep my feet warm. My belt, it's its not real leather. You know, the, uh, right, yeah. the, the shampoo we use, the, the toothpaste we use, the deodorant we use, it's all cruelty-free mm -hmm. because I don't want to have, you know, sweaty armpits, but I don't want to have sure. I don't want to not have sweaty uh, uh, armpits because an animal has suffered. We you know, need better products. Sense. Yes, yeah. I agree with that. Like collectively, we need better products, and they're coming, and yeah. that's great. Because we we I I'm, I per se I, I buy like a big five liter tank of hand wash mm -hmm. so that I save ten smaller instead of buying a twenty plastic bottle of hand wash. I just refill the three bottles I go in my house. Awesome. Done. Yeah. Same thing with cleaning products. I don't buy cleaning products indiv individually anymore. I just refill what I have. And like if we, everybody does that, then companies, you go to Tesco and you can buy like a five liter hand wash there. I don't need to buy on Amazon, you know? Yeah. So I think that will help plastic consumption as well. Yeah, brilliant. Go. So I, th I think if we all do a little bit of it, you know, we can, we can solve the problem. But I can see the issues that we have. It's like even if you're recycling plastic, that is not going to the recycling anymore. It's going to get shipped somewhere else in Europe or uh, somewhere else around the world, which is shameful, really. 
because then we've just been lied to that <laughs> you can recycle your plastic so you feel good for yourself but actually it's not being recycled i think that's the kind of stuff we should tackle i was watching the bill gates documentary on netflix right and his take he has an interesting take on nuclear energy clearly we've had our fair share of uh, incidents mm-hmm. but two isn't more than enough but it's also the take was that nuclear energy hasn't seen any kind of um, technological advancement since has been created so the, the stuff that these these places were running on was like from the 1970s they're mm-hmm. still using like the massive floppy disks you know what i mean and and what bill gates was saying is like we've been working with something that is practically foolproof and it can make as much energy as you need without having to use coal without having to use any other thing that is harmful to the environment but yet because of, of the perception that people have it's 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 his has been a happy battle to introduce this thing that is safer than others like you know like when you know that coal kills about eight hundred thousand people a year that's madness mm-hmm. you know what i mean like, mm-hmm. it's, like, yeah, it's what? crazy and we're still doing that so how is it a, why are we talking about this because there's big influences and lobbying and stuff so i think again they shouldn't lie on veganism because somebody can make money that's what I'm saying. Like, if they shone a light on carbon and well, the amount of people that ki- that killed because of coal, and if they, they shone a light on that, somebody's going to lose money. So they're going to shine a light on that. You know what I mean? It's, it's what, that's what I'm arguing against. Okay, so here's the thing. The, there was a professor years ago that did this uh, thing. I, the, I'm sure there's a well-known term for, for this uh, right. strategy, but I, I don't know what it is. But I just remember seeing the video. He draws a cross on a piece of paper. Right. And he's talking about climate change. And yeah. the first column is if you do something, what happens? And the second column is if you don't do something, what happens? Mm-hmm. So along that kind of principle, think about this. So so you're saying uh, you know, that, that what puts you off veganism mm-hmm. is that there is people who are somehow making money from yeah. veganism and putting up propaganda. Yeah. yeah. But there's also dairy farmers and meat farmers and 100% also making opposite, money yeah. and they're doing exactly the same thing with the propaganda. Yeah. So here's the thing that I, I put to you. If you look at it purely from an animal cruelty point of view, these both of these entities, mm-hmm. you know, from your perspective are making money on trying to tell you, push you, pull you or push you one way or the other. Yeah. If you go with, with, eating meat and consuming dairy, the cruelty still carries on. Mm-hmm. And that corporation or that entity or those organizations make money. If you go with eating a plant-based diet, the cruelty stops and an organization carries on making money. What about all the insects you, cl- you kill when you collect the plant-based food? You kill lots of insects, man. Think about the bees you kill. That's Think about, think about that for a second. That's thousands, millions of insects that we could eat instead we kill them how do you mean that we could eat well, you can eat insects you know there's a lot of proteins in but that. then it, then that's that's still cruelty going on i know but we still need to eat you, but you can have a you can have an entirely cruelty-free diet well no because you kill a lot of insects well okay uh i almost cruelty feel cruelty free depends where cruelty starts it, and begins like if you say okay the insects nah i don't care about the insects then it's fine that's not what I'm saying. That's right. not what I'm saying. Do you know what? We're going to have to finish there. <laughs> we're out of time. <laughs> interesting, though. Really interesting conversation. Right. We need to, I think we need, there is a lot more to this conversation. And I don't want to come out and saying that I, I I do like a vegan diet and I do eat vegan meals every so often. So I, it's not, I'm not against veganism. And I think if we eat less meat, if we all collectively eat a little bit less meat, 
will be it will be it will be already a massive improvement. If somebody doesn't become vegan because they can't stand it, but instead of eating meat every day, they eat meat on a weekend on every other day, it's already a victory. So I take that propaganda, and if it works in any way, shape, or form, great. But it, it, what pisses me off is again, is somebody's still making money off of it, and and it, it, so it, it doesn't come from a pure place. It comes from a place of greed. So that I'm, said, it's still going to make a positive change. I'm with you. And that's it. Way to go. So thank you very much. I've got one, just one second. I've got a challenge for you, okay? Cool. You you challenged me to do NaNoWriMo this year. I did. And it's okay. kind of, you, you have about a week to, to go. get ready. Okay, so I'll do that if you do Veganuary. No, I'm not going to do it. Really? No, I'm not going to do it. Your choice. Your choice. <laughs> You're absolutely your choice. But uh, I, I would love to see that you try that. Well, eating vegan again. I ate vegan for a whole year and I lost pretty much... I was back where I was when I was in my early 20s. And I did this. We did this with my wife in 2016. Um, I think my the worst thing for me is dairy. So the, the meat, I, I don't eat, I eat meat. I like meat, but I don't eat that much. I think dairy is what kills me. So I love dairy, my friend. And I tried all the vegan cheeses out there. Don't you even try. Don't you even try. There's been a hell of a lot of developments in them. They were not quite my thing right at the beginning, but don't, they've done some even. really good stuff now. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm-mm. So the that I think that's what gets me. That's what really gets me. The dairy, dairy aspect of it. And that's what I put I put weight on because I love dairy, man. I, I need to eat, I need to have a little bit of parmesan. My parents just came over, brought me some parmesan from Italy. <laughs> Do you know they brought some beautiful cheeses? Thanks, mom and dad. And um, I think that's what gets me. But I, I take your point. You know, let's kill the insects and eat the plants. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Tell people when they can find you. Uh, you can ha- you can find me on uh, LinkedIn. Just search for Adam Jennings. That's the best place to connect with me. And he he has a premium subscription as well. So he's serious. <laughs> he's serious with his LinkedIn. We're not fucking about here. Um, so Adam Jennings, Adam Jennings. Yeah, it's it's uh, LinkedIn.com slash in slash Adam Jennings. It's Adam Jennings, which is Jennings. How you spell it? Pretty much G E double N I N G S. There'll be links in the description anyway. It's linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Adam Jennings. I am. It's one easy. Of, it's one yeah, of those so that's I can never remember which one is. <laughs> you can, you can cut out the one that's not the right one. Um, thank you very much, man. I really thank appreciate you. it. Uh, uh, again, we only scratched the surface here. We only t- t- told a story in brush strokes, broad strokes, broad strokes. Broad strokes. Broad strokes. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, guys, for listening. Uh, catch you in three weeks.